0: All right, everybody, bring it in. We are ready. Conference championship preview. I can't believe it's already here. I can't believe we only have three games left of football which is really depressing because the Pro Bowl definitely doesn't count. Uh, and, and we're going to get all over it. There's also some news and notes to consider here for. Um, Does not count. No, it definitely doesn't. Uh, but, yeah, we will We will got some news and notes, coaching hires, uh, some drama in Jacksonville that's fascinating. Uh, and so we'll hit all that stuff first. But no Scotty tonight. It is his lovely wife's birthday. So we figured out, you know what, as Sung's birthday present from both of us, we would let him off the pod just so he could spend some time because obviously we were going to be the top priority. It is Brian San Vito. I'm Jeff Kimple and uh, going to have a great show. Great weekend lining up here too, brother. How are we doing? Almost 30. You're almost 30 yeah. years old. Old man. Yeah, no, it's,
1: it's, it's good though, man. Um, I don't know. I'm excited. Like you said, three games left. So that's like, we're starting to get there. Um, so enjoy these ones and make sure you're glued to the couch Sunday. Don't, don't miss this. Um, yeah. And it's gonna be fun. I mean, we got some great matchups ahead of us. Um, we have some great NFL news coming out, which mm-hmm. has been really fun, uh, especially for me. My Broncos, we got a, got head a coach, new head which coach. We're gonna get into. So this is gonna be a lot of fun.
0: I I How can't believe that like by by Sunday night, Monday morning, we're gonna know who's in the Super Bowl. Like uh, we say it every year, right? And we said it on this pod throughout the season, right? At the the game one, week one, to. The quarter point, halfway point, third quarter point, week 18. Like we always talk about like savor it while it's here. It's going to be gone before you know it. And like to think we have three football games left. And then even so we have three football games basically in the next two and a half weeks, which is kind of depressing in and of itself. Uh, But then, look, the NBA is starting to pick up. There's a bunch of things. Joel Embiid on an absolute fucking heater rivaling some Shaq and Wilt Chamberlain numbers, which is pretty terrifying. Uh, So we get, we'll get into the NBA as that comes along, but you're right. Football right now. We always say football's King. We have this, we have the coaching carousel, which should, it's amazing. Oh, something else too. I forgot to add to our little rundown. Sean Payton deciding to step away from the new Orleans saints. So there's now another team involved in the coaching carousel, but for now two have been checked off, that is the the Chicago bears and your Denver Broncos so the Denver Broncos have hired Nathaniel Ratcliffe sorry Hackett. <laughs> I'm thinking of the singer Nathaniel Ratcliffe uh, Nathaniel Hackett who is the offensive coordinator for the Green Bay Packers and as you said to me uh, when we were when we were talking before we started recording this means that a particular number 12 not the one in Tampa Bay might be joining the Denver Broncos which may be Maybe, but how are you feeling now as a Broncos fan? Grade the hire, break it down for me on on your end here, Vito, because it's always exciting when a new head coach comes to take over. It
1: is, and I'm really excited because um, not only is it what he did in Green Bay, because I think anyone can be successful with Aaron Rodgers, right? But think about what they've done with Aaron Jones in the running game. Mm -hmm. They've been a successful, balanced offense. And when you go back before Green Bay's offensive coordinator job, which is what he had, he was Jacksonville's offensive coordinator and he was Jacksonville's coordinator when they had Blake Bortles and they went to the AFC championship. OK, and in that year, they led the league in rushing. So he I believe in like if he can do that with Jacksonville and had their most successful season in the last 20 years, I mean, really, since early on in their franchise, like. It's going to be interesting to see what he can do with a team as talented as the Broncos at skill positions. And if he can convince Aaron Rodgers to come and join him, it is going to be amazing. I mean, this is for me the most hopeful like I've been about a free agent since Peyton Manning was connected right to us. And like we we knew we had a good shot because Elway was always talking to him. But this is like this is special. I'm really hoping this can happen. Um, I think, you know, that would change the entire next outlook on the next five years
0: Mm -hmm. i mean and and if aaron Rodgers isn't enough to get you excited his favorite target and the most talented player he's ever played with is also a free agent this year right which puts green bay in an interesting spot because green bay can always franchise tag Devontae, right because Devontae is doesn't necessarily have the leverage or isn't the one that they're deciding like hey are you going to come back or not come back but if green bay is looking at hey we're going to rebuild you would think they'd like to keep Devonte Adams to help you know Jordan Love progress and have that weapon but this is an offense that he's flourished in it's a play caller he knows and essentially Denver's looking at the possibility though albeit a smaller one that you could bring the reigning MVP the offensive corner of the reigning MVP and uh, by the way Hall of Fame MVP uh, and yeah. arguably the best hard receiver in football, all into a young nucleus, $50 million of cap space this year, too, which is one of the highest in the league. There's a lot to like about this job. And I know you're a, you're a believer in the new GM in the post-John Elway era. So I think it's a good hire, right? And when we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, after we heard about the firing, we heard that, you know, Denver was moving on from Vic Fangio we talked about the fact like, hey, what kind of what kind of coach do you want to see come in, right? You want someone who's going to be able to develop young talent, right? And that's not just your quarterback. That's going to be your offensive line. That's going to be your wide receivers, who you are, have plenty of young talented guys. You're getting KJ Hamler back. You have Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick. Oh, and by the way, the guy who was drafted in the first round just two years ago, Jerry Judy. Mm-hmm. So there's a ton to be excited for. And I think hiring a guy like this, who helped develop Devontae Adams. Because remember when Matt LaFleur got hired three years ago, Devontae Adams was a solid wide receiver. Matt LaFleur, Nathaniel Rackett, both did, or Hackett, God, I'm going to fuck that name up a million times, (laughs) has done such a good job at, and obviously playing with Aaron Rodgers too, but they've done such a good job of helping elevate him. And I think the play calling in particular has been huge. And I know that Matt, uh, Matt LaFleur calls the majority of the plays almost exclusively there for the Packers, but you learn a ton. Uh, Hackett is only 42 years old. So you're, you're kind of getting in, in this young wave, but he's a little more experienced. I think it's a home run higher. And uh, that was one of the things that to me as well Is I forgot he was the offensive coordinator for that, those Jacksonville teams. That vastly yeah. overachieved. The last dominant season Lennon Fournette had uh, where he was that, like, you know, drafted top 10 kind of guy with thousand yard rusher was that year in 2016, 2017. And I think, again, you look at the running back room. That spells good things for Melvin Gordon, who is a veteran and is probably, you know, I think they have him for one more year. And then you drafted Javante Williams in the second round for a reason because the kid is a stud. And we saw glimpses He's of so that good. this year. I think. He reminds me a lot of Aaron Jones. And when he was coming out, that was a comp a lot of people made because he can do a little bit of everything. He runs hard for his size. He catches the ball well out of the backfield. The big question is going to be Rodgers. And they they have the defense ready, right? There's young talent there. They've invested on the defensive side of the ball, especially young talent there. You need someone who can come in and develop the offense, and I think this is a perfect hire for it. So I'm with you, Vito. And as a fan, that is like one of the most promising feelings is, hey, we're getting a new head coach. How do you feel about it? I went through le- this last year, right, with Sirianni. And on the pod, mm-hmm. I was not a huge fan of the hire, right? I I, I thought Joe Brady was too inexperienced. So I, I, as much as I liked him, I didn't think it would happen. I wanted Brian Dayball, but the Eagles didn't even interview him, which was a mistake. But then Dayball also said he was going to come back and run it back with the Bills. There was not a whole lot of guys that I was in love with last year, but Sirianni was such a – curveball out of nowhere that I just and then, of course, I, everyone freaked out about the opening press conference. He's the only rookie head coach that led his team to the playoffs last year. And taking a 4-12 and 12 team, replacing the starting quarterback, replacing the head coach, and and the majority of the staff, now all of a sudden they're a playoff team even if by the skin of their teeth. It's an unbelievable job. So, who knows is essentially yeah. the, the point, right? He well, could flourish and or I fail, think, but I think he's in a good spot, and I think he brings a lot to the table.
1: Well, I think not only do i like everything about him but as you've said twice he also makes you just immediately think nathaniel ratcliffe and the night sweats which shout out hilarious like seeing them at like festivals randomly and stuff but like one of the best
0: like, one of the best concerts i've ever seen in my life nathaniel ratcliffe it's also Lift. by the way which i is just it learned recently i just go. learned that recently um, but it was him and the night sweats and gary clark jr who if you don't know gary clark jr is one of the best if not the best blues guitarists in the world every year at the rock and roll hall of fame they bring him on stage he's the black guy Cleveland cool, shout out shout yeah, out with the cool uh like he always wears like prince style hats like he is the coolest motherfucker in the world and he's a damn good guitar player like all up uh, him and john mayer go back and forth for for me but one of the best concerts i've ever seen him on. anyway oh, yeah. kinton
1: yeah, no, but but that's what I'm saying. Like, it's great. He already has some pl- like, we we'll see about him because he's like, you definitely think of that. But also, he, I think, is a guy, even if we don't get Aaron Rodgers, I'm excited about as a coach because of what he's done with teams. I mean, if you really look, he established balance and had like Bortles had his best seasons with him, right? Like it's it's it wasn't just Leonard Fournette, like teams just flourished. Um, and I'm really excited to see what he can do to develop the talent. Cause that's what you were talking about too, right? It's mm-hmm. not just calling plays cause everyone like, you know, yeah, he didn't call plays, but he was developing those players every day. And I'm excited to bring in his system and his development. We had a defensive minded coach. I'm excited for him to really come in and, and put in like the emphasis on the offensive side of the ball, where I believe we actually have the most talent. So I'm excited.
0: Yeah. I, I, it's, it's the exact hire. I think you, you make, right. You take someone with experience, a uh, guy who has called plays in the past when he was with Jacksonville, but at the same time, we, again, you've seen him develop talent and you answer the question right there, which I was going to ask you, which was just with or without Rogers, right? Obviously with Rodgers, it's a great, it, it's a great hire. It's an incredible hire, especially if it helps bring Rogers to you. <laughs> yeah. Are you still happy about it without Rogers is the important part. And I think like we just said, it's uh, that's exactly what you want um, on the other. The other team that hired a head coach today, uh, the Chicago bears, they hired one of my favorite names to say in football, Matt Eberflus. I think that's how it's pronounced. Uh, but I'm going to say it that way either way. Cause it's a hilarious name. Uh, defensive coordinator of the Colts. Now bears fans are not happy with this one. And I kind of get it right. You, you, you get rid of Ryan Pace, you bring in Ryan Poole, who was an assistant uh, GM there for the Packers, or sorry, for the, for the uh, Chiefs, uh, had a part, a role, whatever, how big, how small, in, in drafting um, Aaron, uh, Patrick Mahomes. But they've also done an incredible job in free agency and, and drafting uh, This is the Chiefs over the last five years. I look at this hire, if he does a good job of surrounding him with coordinators, Right. Hiring the right guys to be his quarterback coach, hiring the right guys to be his defensive coordinator. I like the hire more. However, you want there to be some sort of instrumental connection between your young quarterback who you just gave up a first, two first round picks, right? Last year's, well, they moved up. Um, but the first rounder this year to go up and get, you have to really believe that this guy can have some sort of chemistry with your future franchise. And for Chicago, it was such a big deal when they decided to go up and, and draft a quarterback last year, right? Like, they don't do that in Chicago. The, who Who is the best Chicago quarterback of all time? Yeah, it's Jim McMahon who, like, Jim, is, yeah. Exactly. And, and Jim, I mean, was, Jim McMahon's good. was a very entertaining, he's, fun quarterback. But he, we're not talking about an all-timer, right? No. And the Bears are one of the oldest franchises in the NFL.
1: And one of the most successful. Yeah, exactly. And
0: for them to make a move, and the fact that throughout their history, who's number two after him, right? You would probably have to say Rex Grossman, which is an insane (laughs) thing to think about. Statistically, it's Jay Cutler. But one one helped get you to a Super Bowl. Now, granted, that 2004 uh, Bears team was just loaded with talent on on the defensive side of the ball, right? I mean, that was like the prime... uh That was Erlacher, right? Yeah, 06. Sorry, 06. And it was –
1: and, like, everyone was like, oh, they're going to win because they were, like, offensive MVPs, Rex Grossman, defensive MVP halfway through the season was Erlacher. Yeah. Devin Hester was doing his thing. Everyone was like, Uh, this team can't be stopped.
0: Yeah, I mean, think and and, – But what was funny was, like, everyone knew whoever came out of the AFC, whether it was uh, the Colts, I think, was the the team they played, right? Um, Whether it was the Colts or the Patriots, whoever came out, like, was was going to win. Like, because – because again, Devin Hester broke the record for touchdown returns in a season that year, right? Yeah. Like it was like are you the greatest like return season in the history of the NFL.
1: Also, fun fact about that Super Bowl, uh, only Super Bowl where it's rained. Fun yes, fact. Yes,
0: yes. I remember, I do remember that. It was in Jacksonville, right?
1: It was in uh
0: Miami, I Might have that mi- Miami. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense because Jacksonville was the Eagles Path Super Bowl in 04. Um, anyway, all this to say that. It was rare to see the Bears go up and make a move for a potential first-round quarterback, a, a, a first-round draft pick. It was a move we haven't seen them do since they traded for Jay Cutler. And even still, Jay Cutler had been in the league for a few years and was a pretty mm-hmm. productive, you know, quarterback in Denver. And he needed a change of scenery. They took an advantage you know, took a shot at it. And, and whether it worked, it didn't work. But they are the worst franchise in the history of the NFL when it comes to the quarterback position. They make a move finally to go up and take a guy with you know, off the charts type of potential in Justin Fields. You fire Matt Nagy, you're doing everything right. And now you hire a defensive coordinator from Indianapolis, a defense that was pretty mediocre throughout the first half of the season. And then by the end of the season was one of the best defenses in football. It just doesn't make sense. And again, if he if he hires the right people, I don't know who it is, Joe Brady, right? I, I don't know who the, the right offensive coordinator hire will be, but you have the opportunity to hire Brian Dable, right? Who just spent the last four years creating Josh Allen. Unlimited raw talent, but was slow in processing, was slow in delivery. All of these, these things that Dable succeeded in with a guy that nobody thought was ever going to live up to his potential and Josh Allen, why would you not go hire that guy? Why would you not bring that guy in to be like, Hey, Justin Fields is very similar to Josh Allen, all these incredible physical tools, but their processing their decision, making the accuracy stuff is problematic. We say it all the time. You can't teach accuracy by the time they're in college, they are who they are. And yet he did it with Josh Allen. So why would you go do the same thing with Justin Fields? I, it just,
1: It doesn't make any sense. I agree because he took Josh Allen from, I think he was like in the fifties in accuracy. He jumped like 8% one year, something dramatic. Mm -hmm. It was, we had never seen, like we had seen a couple of examples of it, but that, that long in their career between like year three and four. I mean, he did just such a great job developing Josh Allen into an MVP candidate that to me, you're right. You connect the head coach with your star quarterback who you just gave up a lot for it's just one of those things. I feel like maybe the ownership in Chicago is just thinking like, Hey, we're a defensive team. You know, we we were built on this. This is like our identity, but it's like, yeah. listen, you got to look at the opportunity you have right here. And I think I personally would have liked that higher more, but you know, like you said, it depends on who they get for the coordinator position. We'll see what happens. And uh, you know, there, there are still good options out there, but I agree, man. I, I think, I thought that was the slam dog hire. I was hearing connections about it. Right. And you're like, Oh, this is, this makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah, I, I just again, I I, we, I sat here and criticized similar things about an Indianapolis coordinator becoming the head coach of my team, and he completely, you know, and I That's did. I was I was an, an anti Sirianni, but like, I just didn't love the hire. So if you're a Chicago fan, like I, I feel very similar. Like I don't love the hire. That's not to say that he can't come around, you know, come out and do something really, you know, inventive and creative, and and, and can figure out a way to get the bears back on the right track, but the bears have had such a bad string of coaches, you know, uh, Tressman, John Fox, uh, you know, obviously Matt Nagy was, was problematic. Uh, and then I can't this is all after... one
1: coach of the year. Yeah.
0: Like, that's his first year. And think about it too. How many years removed are we from Lovey Smith being fired six. And now they've had three different head coaches since then. Right between between Tressman, he was a year, and then it was Nagy, and he was there for four years. Now we're on to you know another year here with with a new coach in Iberflus, and and again for for his sake, I hope it works out. For the Bears fans' sake, I hope it works out. They're a franchise that could significantly. It'd be great for the NFL to have the Chicago Bears as as a good team with a star quarterback. Yeah, but this is setting Justin Fields up to fail, man. It just is. Unless he absolutely nails it. But no matter if, if you're relying on your offensive coordinator to be the one that builds the relationship with the quarterback, then you're, you're probably in for, you know, a, a rough time. Now, the one thing else I will add is that I didn't think Brandon Staley had the chops to work with a quarterback. That was my biggest question mark with him when he got hired by the Chargers, right, was he's a defensive coach defensive mastermind the Sean McVay of defenses we all love Brandon Staley right And we love him even more I remember following them in in training camp and there was one video of, of Herbert making one of those ridiculous Herbert throws and then it cut to Brandon Staley in a meeting in, in one of the team meetings and him talking about being aggressive on offense and we're gonna have the best passing offense in the NFL and all this stuff and I was like Shit, you forget sometimes just because they're a defensive coordinator doesn't mean that they don't know the other side of the ball too, right? Yeah,
1: they know it well because they're defended. They have to scheme against each other. Yeah. And, and, and it's – yeah, they're football And now guys, we man. saw like,
0: – yeah, we saw what happened with Justin Herbert. So I, I think more than anything, it's important when you're hiring a head coach that you're hiring the right guy, right? And, and that doesn't right. mean – but I do think it's important when you look at guys like Doug Peterson, where it's Doug Peterson came in, Carson Wentz, young quarterback – And we saw that within two years, all of a sudden Carson Wentz is an MVP candidate, right? Because Doug Peterson was a quarterback. They have that connection. It doesn't mean that other guys can't do that. But hiring offensive minds, people who can help develop quarterbacks, someone who's established at it, makes your fan base a lot more confident, at least. Can't say that it's not going to happen. I'm definitely not saying that. But it's just something to kind of monitor because I think it was just a really interesting hire. The problem for the Bears is, and you said it, it's ownership. It's the McCluskies, I think is how their last name are, is pronounced. Um, they are like the Maras, right? They're just, and the Fords in Detroit. Like, I just, I don't think they're great owners. I think they're stuck in an, in an antiquated time in football, and they want to hire the next Mike Dicka kind of guy. And they took a chance with Matt Nagy. He was an offensive mind, was offensive coordinator to the Chiefs, helped create Mahomes. all that shit. And it, it didn't work out. So I, I don't know. Maybe they're just, you know what, let's go back to the kind of guys we've hired before. But you look at his resume, you look at kind of his history in the NFL, and you're like, this kind of feels like they're just hiring another Lovie Smith or another, you know, John Fox or one of these, you know, old school kind of defensive guys. And I hope I'm wrong for Chicago's sake and for Justin Fields' sake, because I would love to see Justin Fields reach the potential he has. I just don't know if this is the hire that, that made the most sense. But that's just me. Um, the other th- bit of two other things. One's a little smaller, but we'll we'll get to them here um, in the coaching carousel. Dan Quinn uh, officially will be coming back to Dallas. Uh, he, technically, he did interview for the Giants' job, but it maybe it just didn't work out. Whatever. Seems as though he's pulled his name from consideration. Dallas keeping their defensive coordinator, which is huge for the Cowboys. There was a good chance, you know, when we were talking about this before the playoffs. Are like Dallas might lose. Both coordinators, and now it looks like they're going to be able to keep both because uh, I don't know why his name's escaping me. Um, the offensive coordinator, Kellen, Kellen Moore, thank you. Was, I just always think Boise State. I'm just like, Boise State. Just Boise <laughs> State. Kellen Moore has not received the head coaching interviews that we all thought that he was going to get. So huge news for the Cowboys after a disappointing playoff run. But, hey, you're bringing the band back together. We'll see what they do in the offseason, most likely losing Michael Gallup, but he's towards ACL, so we'll see. Uh, But the other bit here, we're talking about this before the show, something somewhat unprecedented happened in the last like 24 to 48 hours in the NFL that I don't think is getting enough talk about, right? If you follow the Jaguars coaching search, you saw that they interviewed Byron Leftwich for a second time, right? The reports that are coming out is that Byron Leftwich will only take the job if they move on from Trent Baalke, who is their GM, who was hired last offseason in conjunction with Urban Meyer. And Byron Leftwich would like to have Adrian Wilson, Pro Bowl safety for many years, who is currently at a very young age already, the VP of player personnel for the Arizona Cardinals. Vito, I can never remember a time in any sport and let alone football, but any sport where a candidate for a head coaching job was flexing leverage onto the organization in such a public way of doing so, right? There's certain things I'm sure behind closed doors that we have heard about or seen, but something as significant as I'm going to flex my leverage to Make you fire the GM that you should not have hired last year and hire the guy I want or else I'm not coming. And Leftwich is in a very unique set of circumstances where he's pretty much the only guy who would have even been able to do the short of maybe a Belichick who would want to take another job somewhere else because Leftwich is the Jacksonville Jaguars. He is by far the most recognizable player and arguably the best player in the franchise's history. Definitely quarterback, at least. Quarterback, yeah.
1: He's, Jimmy Smith, shout out.
0: Yeah, I mean, and there's also a ton of awesome players that play for the Jaguars. Yeah. Like, I'm not trying to. I just mean, like, when you think of the Jacksonville Jaguars, everyone has like, like with the Eagles and stuff, to or any of your teams, right? Denver, it's going to be Peyton Manning. It's going to be John yeah. Elway. The closest version of that that Jacksonville has, because they are the most recent or second recent franchise, is Byron Leftwich. Maybe Mark yeah. Brunell, I mean, but I think because Brunell jumped around so much, I think it's Byron Leftwich.
1: It probably is my boy, Nick, who a uh, hardcore Jags fan has a signed <clears throat> Byron left, Jersey that he had since he was a kid, he still has it. He's like, dude, I hope he signs with us. Bust this back out his old yeah. Xbox live name, Byron boy. Right. Like, no, but seriously, like fans are excited about this. And I think we like, the point is I've, I think you're right. I've never heard of, let alone a candidate asking for a GM change, which is basically their boss. Yeah. they are basically saying president, like the owner, you fire the guy who you hired to run this entire company of yours that's worth billions of dollars for me and all, and we're getting this guy. And not only have I never been a head coach, he's never been a GM. And we, you have to do both of this right now. And like, that is incredible balls to go right? in a room and say that to a team. I mean, it's wild,
0: man. And I, I literally, and if, that's the thing. People are talking about it as if this is like a norm. Like this doesn't happen candidates don't publicly. And again, it wasn't public, but it was leaked. Like reports came out. I guarantee you this. And like Byron left, which is, is playing the cards the way he should be playing the cards, which is brilliant. Yeah, I like it. Right. I like it. He understands his leverage. No question. He would love to go back and and be the head coach after being the quarterback there. And he's a really fucking good coordinator. Like, yeah, it's, like it's not like we're talking about some guy who doesn't know what he's doing. Like, no, he's a very good, good coordinator he's basically been running the off like like not a p like again something that hasn't gotten talked about a lot bruce Arians tore his achilles like a month ago he's like limping around practice he has to get carded places he can barely walk under the field of these games even in just a logistic sense alone the added responsibilities that have been thrown onto byron Leftwich, who was already in conjunction with tom brady running that offense and now you're getting a guy who just spent two years working with the greatest coach of all time coaching under a brilliant offensive mind a, an nfl lifer who is widely respected around the nfl and bruce aarons also a guy who doesn't take shit and that's exactly what byron Leftwich is doing he's like you got you jackson the jaguar shot Khan. y'all fucked up y'all made the urban meyer hire you could have reached out to me last year but you didn't you guys decided to go and hire Urban Meyer. You hired this Trent Baalke guy. If you want me, I need the guy who I trust to buy the groceries for me if I'm going to cook. You want me to come be your chef at your private restaurant, your fancy restaurant? I'll do it. But I get to bring my grocery guy. I get to bring my guy who I know is going to get me my meat, the right meat, the right veggies, the right everything, or else I'm not fucking coming. I'll go sit back and play with the goat another year. Or I'll go to the New Orleans Saints. Who, after already having, uh, you know, now or now that rather, Sean Payton has stepped down, has already inquired to have uh, Brian Lefevre be a candidate for the things. He's interviewing with them tomorrow, so he's already flexing even more. He's like, "If you're not going to go for it, I'll go. I'll go to New Orleans. He's just right down the options. road, brother." I, I, I think the whole thing is fantastic. It's and great. I- and I want more people to be talking about the fact that not only that a black head coach too, which is say which is a significant yeah, thing after and, seeing and, a black, black, and yeah.
1: a black
0: GM and a black GM and both seeing, first
1: time hires mm-hmm,
0: seeing and which is too Minnesota hired their new GM who's in who was an assistant GM for the Browns who's also a black GM if Adrian nice. Wilson were to get hired now all of a sudden we'd have three black GMs which would be the most we've ever had in the NFL and we just saw two black head coaches get fired one both of which you could argue was kind of bullshit, but it seems like there was a little more turmoil in Miami than we all realized. But the David Coley one was certainly bullshit. And so for him to be flexing and standing up for himself, say, hey, look, if you don't want to hire me and do what I want, I want to come home. I want to be Jackson- Jacksonville's head coach, do it the right way, or I'm out. And there were reports as of today that it was like nearing a deal, nearing a deal. And then all of a sudden, the stuff with Balky starts tripping. Out. I'm like, this is just crazy. It's just, it's awesome to see a head coach or a head coach candidate, not even a head coach, flex this leverage against an organization, basically forcing the billionaire to like, hey, you got to say you fucked up. You want me? You got to say you fucked up and you got to pay the tab for it. And I think that's fantastic. I I think it's absolutely fantastic. Um, So good for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, We did touch on a little bit there and a little bit earlier, Sean Payton out of New Orleans, uh, reportedly retired for the time being. I see two different pathways for, for Sean Payton, and I, I want to hear what your thoughts are, which one you think will more likely be the outcome. Amazon is going to be taking over the Thursday night stream, I believe, next year. will be the first year. So if you have Amazon Prime, you will be able to watch uh, Thursday Night Football. If you don't, you're going to have to get it, which it's cheap. It's like, what, like 5 bucks a month or whatever. Uh, and you'll have to watch on Amazon's stream in order to watch Thursday Night Football. There is a world where Amazon and again, the whole streaming wars, the next TV deal for the NFL is going to be probably double what they're getting now because there's one valuable live product left in television and it's football. It's live football, college, fine, whatever. The divisional round game, all four games had almost double the amount of viewers that the national championship had in college football. So we can talk about all these other things. The NFL is king when especially we talk about TV ratings and money in the last calendar year, out of the top 30, watch things on television, 29 of them were NFL games. Okay. Like that is the level of power. So wow. In the future, the next television deal, and this is a little aside here, but it's worth noting Apple and Amazon are going to pay so much fucking money for the NFL that ABC and NBC and CBS are not going to be able to match. That's my prediction and we'll see it probably within the next decade at some point. That being said, we already are going to see Amazon doing Thursday night games, either this upcoming season or the following season. And I think they're going to pay starting QB money to Sean Payton to come be their lead play-by-play guy because he's done analyst work on ESPN and stuff. And it's fantastic. I've seen him do it for like the playoffs and countdown stuff. He's great at it. So that's one option or B He waits until Mike McCarthy gets fired and becomes the next head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. I don't, I mean, I guess another team could potentially be in there, but the Sean Payton, to Dallas rumors have been going on for years, literally years. So, like, I feel like we're at a point now where it's like, shit or get off the pot. He got off the pot, and now we're going to see, or maybe he shit, I don't know, whichever side of the (laughs) analogy it works. He's out of New Orleans. He fucked over the Saints. The Saints are in absolute hell. It's going to take him at least two years to fix that, which in NFL terms is a fucking, you know, decade. Uh, Yeah. But I don't know. What do you see in Sean Payton's future? I
1: I love the analyst role. I love the fact that like, um, it came out recently, um, the John in the John Madden documentary about uh, all of the like bidding wars and, and, Um, like Fox was starting up Fox sports and they grabbed him and Summer on like their whole crew came and made it amazing. Right. And I think we're going to see a shift like that. Like you're saying, if people who companies who are worth a lot more than TV networks right now, um, like two of the most profitable companies in the world want to get into the space and are getting into it, they can offer whatever to these folks get them to come over and have them bring talent. Uh, I I love, I love just thinking about that. That'd be so exciting. And um, I think, He's definitely someone who I could see calling games, especially like you said. I've seen him on a couple specials where they did like inside the camp and stuff, and and it was great to see it was him like talking to Drew Brees about the offense and about what they want to do, and it was him stuff and absorbing and giving it back in a different way, like just his ability to also just. I Don't know, be a, a gutsy play caller. Like people forget he he onside kicked coming out of halftime in a super bowl. One of the right like that's super the head bowl coach you're ever. talking about here. So having his yeah, just I want him involved in the game of football. Calling games makes a lot of sense. I could also see him doing a little a little bit of um like joining a studio or something for a little bit, right? Like just to do even like on Sundays in, in studio stuff, but um yeah, man. I, I think uh, hopefully he takes a year or two, does something like that. And I would love to see him back uh, as a coach somewhere. But yeah, that's an, that's a guy too. Like, I mean, I know you're retired and probably need some time off, but like, man, how, how juicy would Sean Payton and Jacksonville be too? Like, yeah, there's so many things with a young quarterback or even or even like Sean Payton to, to the Bears. It's just so funny. Out of Sean Payton's such a good coach. If he wants to coach, I guess the point is he'll have plenty of offers whenever he
0: does yeah he was the second longest tenured coach in the nfl uh he was actually a year ahead of mike tomlin which is funny because actually i thought mike tomlin had been around longer but no i mean you gotta remember sean payton's first year was hurricane katrina and that year and, and i yeah. think we've talked about in this pod before but like one of my all-time favorite nfl moments was that monday night game against atlanta and steve uh was it steve yep. gleason with the blocked punt right um and that guy's obviously done incredible things with his life uh, despite battling ALS and, and, but he's done amazing work. Um, Sean Payton has had such a fascinating career, right? Cause you think about how it started. You think about winning the Super Bowl, and you think about bounty gate and you think this is, this guy got, you know, w- was no longer head coach for a year. He got suspended for a year, right? That's like o- outside of players who like, like it's the longest suspension i can remember as as a fan of the nfl right like there are examples of of guys who obviously like lost um privileges to be able to play in the nfl the ray rice is the world right and and even like michael vick who went and had to go and serve time but like a handed down written suspension a year is crazy because usually they're just like no you're out um but for Sean Payton, he lost a year of his career and, and a lot of his reputation and likability as well. But he spent 16 years at a place, won a Super Bowl, helped develop at one point the all time leading passer in NFL history uh, and did a lot of really good things, did a lot of like really impressive things as a head coach. My gut feeling about this is that I think he was, I think he's going to coach again. To me, it's like a how much of a football guy is Sean Payton because we don't always throw him into that conversation of the down home classic football guy, but oh, he he's of, a football guy, but oh, he, he definitely yeah, he is. is. But he, yeah, he lives for the game, man. But he also kind of likes being in the media's spotlight a little bit. He likes to sit, like, even in his press conference yesterday, he took a little shot at Eli Apple, who we talked about on, on Tuesday's pod. The Eli Apple you know, was kind of shitting on people randomly. Like his former team, he said the Saints were like the worst. And he used to play there. And like, what do you think about your former players? And he's like, oh, you know, I love all my former players. Like even Eli, you know, he's like, and it just makes you kind of laugh because you're like, you know, he likes throwing those little jabs. I think he'd be great in, in the media and as an analyst role. But I think at some point, you know, again, everyone's going to link the Cowboys job, but I think at some point he probably ends up coaching again. I, I just... He's still pretty young. I don't think he's 60 yet. I think he's late 50s, early 60s. So uh, I think there's more left on the bone there. Um, last thing here, and we've already known this was coming, but it was official today. Ben Roethlisberger retires after 18 seasons. How will you remember Big Ben? What, what will be the, the prevailing image in your brain about Big Ben, who uh, in our lifetime – since we were kids and younger growing up, he was always one of those guys that was there. So how do you, how are you going to remember seven?
1: I think it's how he started his career. Um, just having an absolute tear when we were, I was really getting into football. I mean, he, he really came in for an injury and won every game in the regular season as a rookie. It was incredible. Um, and the defense was great. Don't get me wrong. He didn't do it alone, but he, he did it right. And, uh, then the next year going and winning the super bowl, um, there's a great, I love America's game. It's the documentaries about teams who win. And in, in that year it was 2005. He, uh, he said to Jerome Bettis, who was going to retire. Yeah. Like he was going to retire Heinz Ward. There's a clip of him just bawling his eyes out. Cause they thought he like addressed the team and was like, thank you. It's been great. And they all said like, it's just so sad because they want to win one for him. Big Ben was the guy who went up to him, gave him the ball. Like and said like, Hey, we're going to like, we're gonna go win a Super Bowl this year. You gotta come. And then it was in Detroit, his hometown. I think of his connection with Buss and kind of handing off from that version of the Steelers, right? To this version of the Steelers. And and that year, winning a Super Bowl, you know, developing his own career and then going again. I think his throw in the second Super Bowl in the corner to Santonio San Holmes, that's one that I'll always remember. So I, I think of him even throughout, like, you know all the escaped sacks and just defensive tackles trying to hit him, And he like somehow gets away and throws a 50 yard pass. Yeah. Um, all of those memories kind of fade away. Cause I just still see him as like a super bowl champion, man. He's, yeah. he's a guy who is a champion. So, um, uh, and he's been that way since early in his career. So I think I've always had a lot of respect for his, his football game, but it's also like one of the goofiest guys I've seen play quarterback. Yeah. I don't know. He's what, just what, always what's your fun. takeaway?
0: I think, he will go down as this generation's Jim Kelly, right? And, and not in the sense of obviously, Ben has two Super Bowls. Jim Kelly yeah. played in four, didn't get one, but, you know, went to four uh, for whatever that's worth. But Jim Kelly had to go up against, you know, John Elway and Dan Marino and Montana was in the league and then Montana turns into Steve Young, right? And if you look at it, Big Ben, obviously the two guys in his draft class, Eli and Phil, and, and Phil Rivers, but even more than that, he was always going to be overshadowed by Brady and Peyton. He was always going to be that way, from, from the especially with how prolonged Brady's career lasted and the fact that Peyton played in two more Super Bowls and won another one after Ben won both of his. You know, Ben will go down as probably not being as appreciated as, of a football player as he should be, and, you know, to Jim Kelly, Steve Young is ben, Big Ben's Aaron Rodgers. We also have this all-time great quarterback come in, and he's kind of just caught in the middle. You know, Eli, because he played for the Giants, and, and those Super Bowls were so enormous, obviously beating the Patriots, um, you know, when they were undefeated in the 16-0 season, uh, and, and the David Tyree catch, and these moments where we just associate Eli And also he's a Manning, which is huge too. I just think there's always going to be a shadow because of the greatness of everybody around him that will probably follow Big Ben. And Drew Brees is similar. Like, I think they're both kind of in that Jim Kelly boat where they're both going to be Hall of Famers. Anyone who watched will tell you how incredible they were. But they're always going to be slightly overshadowed by these two guys who played around him who just were – otherworldly talented and ultimately won a lot like Montana did and and obviously Elway ending his career two Super Bowls and, and Dan Marino never getting a Super Bowl but being the all-time leading passer as well like I, I just think there's there's something about that with Big Ben which fair or unfair is probably going to be held against him um, but in my lifetime I, I will always remember him as just he was this not larger than life figure. He was a larger than life quarterback. Cause he just never, it just never made sense what he was doing. It never made sense how, how talented he was and yet how uncoordinated he was and the injuries and the beard and the, the goatee and the long, there's just so many interesting things about him. And, yeah, and I'm things, always thankful for that.
1: One of the things that I love is uh remember when he got, it was like, this was an old NFL commercial when he got drafted and it was like, um, I think it was TJ Hushmanzato was drafted that year, and he's like Tushma, what? Like, who we dropped? And then it was a Steelers fan like saying like Who is this guy? He's from Miami. Yeah, Miami's not in Ohio, and like said something like that. Like there was a commercial, and it was just so funny because like it was kind of an unknown guy and mm-hmm. came in took the NFL by storm. Yeah, uh, so funny, man. You're right, Goofy. Like yeah. I don't know. Yeah,
0: it's just and the fact too, it's actually perfect because Mac, the Mac and Maxion and all that stuff, like. They're like the the redheaded stepchild of of college football, and but you love them, right? Like we all just love it. Just ah, oh, it's Mac, you crazy playing on Tuesday nights, you fucking weirdos, right? But we love it. Like as football fans, you love having college football on a Tuesday night. Ben is the perfect quarterback to be like the best player to ever play in the MAC. Like it just matches up yeah. so perfectly that of course, <laughs> like, and I'm maybe there's a lineman or someone else who played in the MAC who's better. I don't know, but like when you think of MAC football. The, the number one name, most recognizable name that played in the Mac is Ben Roethlisberger. No question. So I, I, you know, and look, shitty person. I mean, I think we can probably say that not the best motorcycle driver. He's, we can say he's that. had
1: mistakes. He's he, had mistakes for he, sure.
0: And in it,
1: all of us have, if his, yeah, if, his happened, if his career happened,
0: if his career has started in 2018, he's probably not in the NFL anymore, which is crazy to think, but uh strictly speaking football here that is how i will re- remember ben and um and best of luck in retirement he's definitely going to get fat he's going to get so fat i hope he doesn't but it's he's like
1: just, you know when you see linemen it's weird when you see old linemen get like really skinny like linemen i Joe get Thomas. shredded
0: like, dude or they or yeah. they balloon like i listened to a Willie cologne interview that he said at some point during the pandemic he was over 400 pounds and then since then he's lost like eighty something pounds or whatever. But like, yeah, and those it's guys, one of op- man. yeah. It's it's like one of those one. Of, and right, like, yeah, right Joe after Thomas just fucking shredded.
1: Yeah, like right yeah. after you stop having to eat insane amount of calories and work out all day every day, like yeah, your body is gonna. change. And you're a ways. sick you athlete
0: know. too, right? Like yeah, yeah it's just and, like and already Big Ben though, you're far. right. Like
1: usually you see him kind of get skinny, you're like balloon, and then figure it out. But Ben, I could see like he's gonna. Ben? He's, he's going to enjoy retirement for a year or two, have a bunch of Permanee bros sandwiches and go off. So, And he deserves yeah. it. It, it. I mean,
0: the funniest goes. thing is it's like we've been on this tear of retired quarterbacks. who are like, oh, are they going to go into the booth? Drew Brees, right? Tony Romo. Like these great quarterbacks retire immediately into the booth. Or they go like Phil Rivers and, and Josh McCown. Like, oh, we're going to go coach a high school team. The fuck is Big Ben going to do? <laughs> like, He's not going to be on TV. He's not going to go coach high school football. The fuck is Big Ben he's even a, gonna do
1: he's a quarterback. I feel like from like the 80s, where he's gonna own like a bunch of like car dealerships, dealerships yeah. and <laughs> chain restaurants, and like hang out in his own Pittsburgh and just go around, and have a great
0: time. Oh man, hopefully, not too good of a time, Ben. Bring your wife. All right, uh, quick break. We're gonna come back, preview the AFC and NFC championship games, give our picks, and uh wrap up the show on the other side. So uh stick around, we'll be right back in a second. NFC Conference Championship Sunday night. But before we get there on CBS, 3 p.m. on Sunday, Bengals at Kansas City. Rematch of a game we saw in Week 17. One of the best regular season games we had all season. Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes. Two guys I would hate to bet against. This is a brutal brutal game to try to pick and decipher but we're going to do our best we'll start with the afc and we will move towards the nfc so veto right now kansas city seven point favorite at home in arrowhead vegas is expecting a lot of offense 54 and a half is the over under not going to ask you about your pick against the spread right now what i want to know from you is what is the ultimate outcome in terms of where do you see this game being decided what will what will sway this game towards Kansas City or Cincinnati, one way or the other? Uh, and, and obviously, you know we've seen Mahomes be brilliant. I mean, he was ungodly last week against uh, Buffalo, but this is a different task. This is a team that we just saw them lose to, though they also lost to Buffalo as well. Where's your mind at? And uh, and what do you think the the most important area is going to come down for this game?
1: This is going to be like you said, a rematch of an incredible game we had. And so like usually, right, when you're, when you're looking to predict in the future, you look at if the teams have played. And when they did play, zero turnovers. Uh, it was 34 to 31. Jamar Chase his three touchdown, incredible game, right? Like that, this was an insane matchup. And I think it's going to come down to Kansas City's defense. And can they contain Jamar Chase? And, and really, the Bengals have kept winning because no one really seems to be able to. So, are you going to double him the whole game? Are you going to stick to it? What are you going to do for Burrow to disrupt him a little bit? But even when he got sacked nine times, he figured out a way to win. So, I feel like bringing pressure, even though you might get to him, somehow doesn't always relate to winning. So, you know, I think it's more Jamar Chase um, making so it so that like when Joe Burrow's in trouble, like he was last game, and or they needed that last second uh, corner route to Jamar Chase, like he, everyone knew where he was going. He knew where he was going, and Joe Burrow dropped back through it and delivered you have to disrupt that somehow that connection between those two, if they have, you know, 150 yards and, and a touchdown or, 100, or even hundred yards in a touchdown, like that's a pretty good job against, um, you know, against Jamar chase, but I, I think he's going to go off and, and they're going to have a, a hard time. And I don't know if Tyron Matthews coming back to, have we heard yet? So the concussion
0: that to me is, is exactly where this conversation starts. Right. And, We've talked a yeah. bunch about, you know, obviously line of scrimmage and all that stuff, and it does. It totally matters when or lose. Like, it, it determines far more outcomes. Two players in the secondary for Kansas City that they need there, Fenton and Tyron Matthew. Right now, both practice today, full participant in practice, which is good news. Uh, Rashad Fenton was back on Wednesday, and uh, right now Tyron Matthew was, a, was limited at practice today. It seems like both are going to end up playing. But the one caveat here is that Tyron Matthews and concussion protocol, and that can be kind of finicky, right? We we, Obviously we know a lot about the COVID protocols and how quickly things can change. The COVID or the the concussion protocol is tough. You have to fully clear it and it looks like they're going to, we are not yet sure 100%, but that is a massive game changer, right? Because by the time Matthew was out and with Rashad Fenton already being out against Buffalo, Kansas City kind of knew, hey, look, we're not going to be able to stop Buffalo for the entire game, the, and, and they adjusted their game plan accordingly. Started playing a lot more zone, spying a guy, rushing four guys, not blitzing Allen because Allen was torching people off the blitz. It puts Cincinnati in a, or it puts Kansas City in a tough spot because the first time they played, when uh, Cincinnati or Kansas City did not blitz a lot against Joe Burrow. They rushed with the front four because Joe Burrow is so smart. And, again, his intelligence as a quarterback is arguably his best attribute, which is saying a lot because of how talented he is. But the first time they played, they when they rushed four passers, Joe Burrow was 24 of 30 for over 300 yards and two of his four touchdowns. That is really efficient. So yeah. if you're Kansas City – you might think, okay, well, then we should do what Tennessee did, which is we're going to bring the house and we're going to make him uncomfortable because you know how bad that offensive line is. Well, it actually kind of worked. His numbers dropped considerably, but it's still Joe Burrow. And at the most clutch moments, he still made the plays. So if you're if you're Kansas City, you can look at it two ways. We trust our front four, front four Frank Clark and Chris Jones and those guys up front to beat the starting five of Cincinnati, who has been objectively very bad on the offensive line this season. They had a couple of moments where they started looking pretty good. They were in that kind of maybe like 20 range, but for the most part, one of the lowest ranked offensive lines in all of football. If they can send those four up front and you still have Fenton and you have Matthew in the secondary, I think the advantage goes, especially considering who Tennessee has in the secondary, obviously Bayard is a stud, but outside of that, it's a whole lot of nothing there would be more talent on the back end for Kansas city to be able to withstand that and hopefully generate enough pressure with the front four. But if they do blitz, you're also going up against a quarterback who throughout the season as a whole, even though he struggled last week was really good against the blitz because they were able to, you know, he's able to identify at the start of the line of scrimmage again, challenging the brain. Those right, two guys starting to get
1: separation. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: Absolutely then you think about if those two aren't in, well, then you, you have to blitz, right? Because you have to bet that you can get after Joe Burrow faster than he's going to be able to get the ball out, which they might be able to do. But if those two guys play, it's a completely different ball game. And if they're not in there, then it's field day for Jamar chase and for, you know, T Higgins and those guys there now, Kansas city, from what some people say, weren't fully locked into that game, right? Like it was, you know, week 17, they'd already clinched the playoffs, but they still had something to pl- like play for, right? Like first place, especially, you know, with, with Tennessee almost losing there to Houston in week 18, like Kansas city still had a chance at that point going into week 17 to get the number one overall seed because they lost it. Cause they were, they were holding that spot because they lost is a huge reason why they didn't get it. So I don't, fully buy that when people say hey you know what they were just kind of out of it that game it's like they still had something to play for and it's not like an andy reid led team to do that um and so that's kind of where i see it right now those guys in the secondary because Cincinnati's going to be able to get pressure with their front four even against a pretty good offensive line in kansas city and we know that kansas city is going to be able to get pressure against the Bengals' offensive line so i think that's kind of a push so now it's which quarterback do you feel better against the blitz? Which quarterback do you feel better against the opponent secondary? And you have to lead Patrick Mahomes in that matchup, right?
1: I, I mean, you do, you do, but it's, it's without a doubt with a hesitation for me because of how well Joe Burrows played in the last six, eight weeks, however long it's been. I mean, he has done so well recently and when you have a hot hand it can it can really carry a team to a Super Bowl we've seen it with Joe Flacco, right? And I think everyone would agree that we've already seen way more out of Joe Burrow than we ever saw from Joe Flacco and, and so you know a hot hand matters and so like that we're excited I think as fans to see what he's going to do this weekend. but yeah when you go down to look at the quarterback position, Mahomes has been there and he's been to so many four in a row of these like he is he knows what's up and he's at home. And that's a whole different game. When they played in Week 17, it was in Cincinnati at the Jungle, and it was a totally different vibe because they needed that game, and it was the last home game with this team. This is an Arrowhead, and and it's going to be Mahomes' game to lose, if that makes sense.
0: I think. I I and I would I would agree with that. Here's an interesting thing about Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow has been in our lives for three years. As far as unless you're like a diehard Ohio State fan, you knew him from recruiting or whatever. For about three years now, he's been in the mainstream, you know, of our eyes. And Scotty sent this tweet in to us, um, and I actually saw it earlier in the day. But since the bowl game when LSU played UCF and Joe Burrow took a nasty hit on the field and that whoever the the, the linebacker was for UCF kind of stood over him, and it's a pretty famous picture. Uh, since that photo was taken, <laughs> Joe Burrow became the college touchdown pass or passing touchdown record holder, a national champion, a Heisman winner, a number one overall pick, and has never lost in the NFL playoffs. Think about that. We have literally never seen Joe Burrow lose a high-profile, meaningful football game. The SEC championship game, the college football playoff semifinal when they put up 70 basically on Oklahoma, and then destroying the shit out of Clemson in the national championship game Uh, in 2019 2020 we've never seen him lose a game because last year even though they had won a couple games early he tears his ACL and before he went to LSU we only knew him as the guy who transferred out of Ohio State so in any high leverage high importance game Joe Burrow has literally always won so I think it's tough in our minds if you're a Joe Burrow believer to see that They would lose this game. And then you remember, oh, yeah, it's Patrick Mahomes, the first quarterback in NFL history under the age of 27 to go to four conference championship games. He's not even 27 yet. It's insane. It's insane. And yet I still kind of want to pick Joe Burrow. That is the stranglehold that Joe Burrow has on me as a fan. I love the kid. He's not as talented, naturally, uh, as a thrower, as an athlete, as Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or any of those other guys. And yet, he is the one that wins games, right? It's like, how is Jimmy G winning all these games? How is Jimmy G one win away from going to his second Pro Bowl with the Niners or or Super Bowl with the Niners? It doesn't make any sense. The guy just kind of finds ways to win games. And obviously, it's a team. You know, Quarterbacks are not our quarterback wins are not a, a stat. Like I hate that when people are like, Oh, you lost this and blah, blah, blah. Like there's only so much you can do, but yet there are guys who have a knack for winning. I put Tebow in that category. I don't know why it doesn't make any logical sense, but Tebow found ways to win games until all of a sudden, Ugh, you know, yeah, he, he did. He kind of did. Now, Joe Burrow is way more talented and will be in the NFL for much longer than Tebow. <laughs> But, like, yes. Tim Tebow just found ways to win games inexplicably. And I do believe that. I do believe that that is a thing that some quarterbacks have. They just find ways to win games. And either we're going to see Patrick Mahomes lose to Joe Burrow a second time this year against a team that is definitely inferior to them when it comes to the roster, or we see the for the first time Joe Burrow lose a big-time game in Arrowhead, which I think is also a huge factor in this too. But as Joe Burrow said himself earlier in the season, you know, He's played in SEC stadiums. He knows how crazy shit can get. And, and playing in Tiger Stadium and playing in Tuscaloosa and you know playing all over in the SEC, like he sees that firsthand. I just, I, I find this game to be very interesting. And I think it's going to be a closer game than people think.
1: I think it's really hard to beat a team twice in a season. Mm-hmm. And I know I've said that a lot this year, but.
0: No, but it's true. Lose a
1: close one. It's true. And when you lose a close one like this, and both these teams are talented, but the Bengals needed, I'm pretty sure, right? They needed that
0: win to get in the playoffs. No, uh, they needed that game to win, to, to lock up the AFC North.
1: The, so I'm win- sorry, to win the division. Yeah. It, they had something on the line there, and and they went after it. And Kansas City did too, like you're saying, but you know, the Bengals- uh, The game was in Cincinnati,
0: top. yeah.
1: Yeah, and and I think in Arrowhead- um, it's a whole different experience in the AFC championship where you have never been. Given yes, Joe Burrow's been in all of these big games. This is this is, you know, you've got two left in the whole season. So this is your, you know, this is the semifinal. So, like, can he put up 70 like he did in college or you know, have an outstanding performance like that? Or, you know, are we gonna see Mahomes be Mahomes and he has got Kelsey? And I feel like the end of last game with both what Kelsey was doing. And I hope if you guys have seen the the um you know uh, the video they put out of Travis Kelsey talking during that drive. If you haven't go, go online and find it, but it's amazing because he's saying like, "Hey Tyreek, like run behind me, and I can kind of block for you." And then he gets down, calls a timeout, and then he told Mahomes, "He's like, hey, the seams open if they're playing that." And that's when Mahomes says, "Do it, do it." And then, and then, uh do it, Kelsey, do it, and he yes. runs and like jukes out, comes oh my in, God. and gets and gets it. So then so, like, Kelsey it's told so cool Tyreek to
0: see- Hill what to do when yes, he caught the ball too to set him up for the next play, and then. Yeah, that was unbelievable. Exactly. Like Kelsey.
1: So the point is that connection between those guys winning that last game, I think carries into, you know, the home AFC championship game. They are hitting their stride. I mean, uh, well, both teams are hitting strides, but I think the chiefs are hitting their stride. And if that team's in stride, they're the fastest team. They're the best team. So, you know, that's, that's where I think it's hard to pick against them.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, I I think Cincinnati's defense will be able to create pressure on Mahomes. But what Mahomes taught us last week is that it doesn't matter because even though he's not the fastest quarterback in the NFL, he's incredibly tough to bring down. And his pocket awareness is, is starting to get, to get to a Brady-like level, except he's a significantly better athlete, mobile than Tom Brady ever has been. So now you're, you're, he can feel pressure in a way that is starting to get up there with like some of the best to ever do it. And it was so evident. Like The thing that changed that Buffalo game was how mobile – Patrick Mahomes was and we talked about it on Tuesday's pod the fact that the bills devoted all of their resources to be able to generate pressure on Patrick Mahomes and yet it didn't matter right they were like we're going to send four and we're going to be able to get pressure on you they did it didn't matter they still left 13 seconds on the clock but they were this close right so a couple of breaks go a different way and Buffalo wins that game right it could be as simple as the coin toss at the end of it which we talked to death on Tuesday's pod but Now we're thinking, you know what? Is Cincinnati really that different from Buffalo? Cincinnati's probably a better overall defense, but it didn't stop the Chiefs from scoring all game. So the Chiefs are going to get theirs. I'm confident the Chiefs are going to get theirs in this game. Can Cincinnati get theirs like they did last time? Because that's what we saw in week 17 was both offenses being able to put up points. And if both offenses can put up points, then this game completely changes. Right, Because then it's whoever gets the ball last. And if it's Joe Burrow with a minute and 30 seconds left and two timeouts left on the clock, and he has a chance to go down and put him in field goal range with that kicker to win a game, that absolutely could happen. It's just a matter of no, for sure. But how, how improved is Kansas City's defense from the last time they played until now. Because that game was close enough I- where the second time playing, it's not like in the Buffalo-Kansas City game, right, where Buffalo – Beat the crap out of Kansas City was a 38 to 20, right? Kansas City had a lot that they had to do differently. Buffalo, as the incumbent, was like, we're gonna do the same thing we did before. I was listening to Mina Comms talk about this from a coverage standpoint. Some of the stuff that they did it, the first time they did again, and Kansas City was able to adjust. The first time these two teams played, it was anybody's ball game. It was it overtime or I, I it was overtime, right? It was either that or I it was the last-second field goal. McPherson hit a game-winner. It was winner the last-second.
1: Yeah. It was, I don't think it was overtime.
0: I don't think it was overtime, but it, it came down to 34-31, it, it was was 30, and, and Kansas yeah. City or, and, and Cincinnati won the game. So I think that's going to play a, a role in this, too, where it's just like if, if Kansas City tries to change a bunch of things, well, Cincinnati's going to change a bunch of things, too, because that game could have gone either way. Now It's not like one team – Played exceptional football and the other team played like shit. And it's like, all right, now we know it's a fix, but they're gonna kind of run it back the same way. Now that doesn't always work. We saw the same thing in Philadelphia with Tampa Bay, where Tampa Bay beat the shit out of Philly and you know earlier in the season. They did it again in the playoffs. But these teams, I think, because both offenses were so good in that first game, I feel like both teams are gonna come in with different strat- with a different strategy, different game plan, or at least tweaked game plan defensively. So can Kansas City do enough? In Arrowhead, with a chance to go to the Super Bowl, or does Cincinnati continue to play above their head? It's, I, I just, I'm, I was shocked when I saw the seven points. I thought five and a half would probably be this line, but for it to be a full seven, um, I think it's just too many points, and that's that's why I'm leaning Cincinnati to cover the spread.
1: I mean, I, I'll tell you this: I have KC winning this game straight up, right? Like, I think that's where I, I believe they're going to win. Do they win by seven? Right. That's the real question here. And that's, that's really tough. Uh, I think what we've seen from Joe Burrow is he, he, he can sling it. If he's down, he's going to sling it. And this offense and these receivers specifically Jamar chase is going to make plays. Yeah. And if they don't have Tyron Matthew back there just assembling that defense, I mean, blown coverages, we saw the bills score a lot. Corey Davis ran all over that defense. When Tyron Matthew went out, Corey Davis, had a game last week for Buffalo. If Gabriel have, Davis, you know, Gabriel Davis. he <laughs> did the same so thing. I was like, I told you. You're like, who are you talking about? Yeah. Gabriel Davis had a game. And so if if the Bengals offense has the same opportunity to expose blown coverages or misalignment, Joe Burrow can do that all day. So I I actually am going to take Cincinnati to cover, but Buffalo to win.
0: Kansas City to win. Kansas City to win <laughs> no I, I I'm 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 with you there the only thing that's you know tripping me up is just is there a chance that this is a blowout is there a chance that Kansas City is just that much better that Cincinnati's defense is that much worse than Buffalo's even though they're not a bad defense they're just kind of middle middle of the road is, is there a chance that that gap is significant enough where Kansas City is just in this unstoppable mode? Right. And you were the one that called it out earlier in the season. Right. About, you know, hey, this the the struggles that Kansas City had both on offense and defense has turned them into a more dangerous and a better football team. And so far, that's what we've seen out of them. The game against Pittsburgh and the game against, you know, obviously uh, Buffalo last week. But it was nothing, nothing after the first quarter. And they were down seven, nothing against Pittsburgh for at least the first quarter and a half. Now, of course, they blew up and scored 21 points in the fourth quarter and 14 points in the the second quarter eventually, and it was not even close. But I do think it's at least, you know, fair to bring up that, like, that was with Big Ben in this inept offense. But, like, what if Joe Burrow and they take a 14-0 lead, right? But we've also seen, like, yeah, but Mahomes can put up so many points so quickly. And if, what if they get out to a 14-0 lead? And yet we've seen Joe Burrow take teams, you know, take Cincinnati back into games, even though they lost a couple of them where they were down 14-0. I think they were down t- almost 21-0 against Jacksonville on that Monday night, on that Thursday night, game, earlier this year. And if if Trevor Lawrence is able to punch it in at the goal line, it's 21-0 going into halftime against Jacksonville. Now, granted, this is earlier on the season, but Cincinnati also lost to the Jets this year. They lost to the Bears this year. They're a different team now than they were then. I just, in all of those games, even when they were down, Joe Burrow brought them back into pretty much every single one of them. So what version of them do we end up seeing, right? Because statistically, they're playing above their heads, and water finds its level. Eventually, the means do average out, and I think there's a chance this is a blowout, but I could see this game going in a lot of different ways. I'm going to bet on Joe Burrow to keep this close. I'm going to bet on Joe Burrow to make this a last possession type of game, but I'm with you and I'm taking Kansas City to win outright because I think they're too talented and I think the experience in this game. I think there's. I, I think it's just going to be a, a contested game. I think Joe Burrow is a phenomenal quarterback, but I don't think they have enough. I think Kansas City is the better team, so we're both on Kansas City to cover and Kansas City to win. Uh, the over under is at yeah, uh- fifty four and a. Sorry, Kansas City, yeah, we to, had- Cincinnati to cover, and Kansas City to win. Thank you. you. I, I was trying sure. to write and talk at the same time, and that uh, did not work out. So, <laughs> yeah, we're both taking Cincy to cover and uh, Kansas City to win. But the over-under, 54-and-a-half. Over. Open-leader. I don't even care. Over. I just, I just want the over with these two quarterbacks. That's it. we said the same thing last week and I'm with you again. We're both taking the same thing Cincy the over and Kansas city to win outright. We are adding outright for this round. Uh, And then Scotty took Cincinnati, the over and Cincinnati to win outright. Love that pick from Scotty. Yep. Uh, The other game, San Francisco and the Los Angeles Rams, Kyle Shanahan owns Sean McVay throughout their whole career. Uh, McVay has never beaten him. It has been a – obviously, they were coached together in Washington. They coached together in, uh, I think, one other spot as well. Maybe not. Might be making that up. But they've known each other for a very long time. This is a really interesting matchup here because I love both defensive lines. And I love Stafford when he's good. We know what we're getting from Jimmy G, right? Jimmy G is going to give us a middle-of-the-road performance, probably turn the ball over at least once. Uh, So far in the playoffs and through two games, Jimmy G has 303 yards, zero touchdowns, and two interceptions, and he is starting in the NFC Championship game. (laughs) Ridiculous. San Francisco is not built around their quarterback. The Rams upgraded their quarterback to unlock things in their offense that we've seen. I don't know how you're feeling, but I'll come out and say, I was wrong last week about San Francisco. They're a better team than I gave him credit for last week. I think this is like a humongous game for the Rams. This is hands down. They played in a Super Bowl, and yet given what we've seen post-Super Bowl, this is arguably the biggest game of Sean McVay's career. He's going up against his, boogie, his boogeyman. He's going up against his friend that he's never been able to beat, that he's known for years. He's got a better defense in terms of talent. Aaron Donald. Von Miller, Leonard Floyd, Jalen Ramsey, depth at all three levels. San Francisco has the best linebacker in football in Fred Warner. One of the best edge rushers in Nick Bosa. The secondary is a little bit weaker, but they've been playing really well. Jimmy Ward has been awesome. They did a great job of of making that offense force feed Devontae Adams. And even though historically this is a bad matchup uh, in terms of schemes, I think Sean McVay is got stuff cooking right now and I think he and Stafford synced up at the perfect time with two weeks left in the regular season even though they lost that game to San Francisco when they didn't have a whole lot to play for I like the Rams and I like them a lot in this game can you convince me otherwise to lean with the underdog or are you with me that the Rams should be and are the favorite in this game they're three and a half point favorite right now at home with a chance to go play in their home stadium for the Super Bowl
1: I mean, this is this is an incredible matchup because I also was definitely um, I was selling the 49er stock way too early. I mean, I don't know what like. Right. We were we were definitely talking a little shit saying, like, I don't even see him having a chance last. I mean, they had
0: to beat the Rams in week 18 to even make the playoffs.
1: Yeah. And they beat him in overtime. Right. Then they go on and shut down the number one offense in the NFL. In, in Dallas, and then they went and shut down an MVP candidate in Rogers. So, and that shut down, he still had a good game. But they, they but the won number one team in football—that's the team, the
0: day, football. that's, the, the team yeah. with the best and record so, in football.
1: So you have those two wins. Now you're going against the Rams, and the Rams, as well as they've played, their offense has struggled. I'd say a lot in the in the postseason here, like a lot more than I would, thought they would. I would say they've been in some situations. I think they've playing the best defenses for them. It's been difficult, but man, Cooper Cup. Like, in the passing game, what they've been able to do on the line, I feel like they've been getting a lot of pressure. Like, Stafford's been running a lot, and he's had some sacks and fumbles. But I'm really interested to see what happens, like, with that passing game. Can he get three steps and get it out? I don't know. I mean, this 49ers defense has done such a great job against really dynamic offenses. I I think this is going to be pretty close, man. And I I was on the Rams, and I still might be, you know, straight up. But – I got to say, I mean, the 49ers have kept everything close. They've done such a great job. The Rams, you know, that crazy game last week, like they won that game, but that that was, that was, They it almost slipped out of their fingers. Like that, yeah. that's a weird feeling as a team, but they pulled it out. But that's still, they have it's one of those feelings after you have a game like that, where like as a coach and as a team, when you get together, you're like, that kind of felt like a, like, it feels like a win, but it kind of felt like a loss in terms of like, we got a lot of shit that we can do better. Yeah. Um, and we almost let it go. But like having that feeling versus the 49ers shutting these offenses down and, and really playing playoffs for another week. Like you said, they had to win to get in and they feel like they already have beaten this team. But, you know, again, it's hard to beat a team twice and they, they played the best part is they actually played what three times. And uh, yeah, they played twice the 49ers one. Yeah. yeah. And Multiple. they won 31 to 10 in their first matchup. And it was in November, It was like 15th. It wasn't like early September. So, I don't know. I think this might be the one Sean McVay finally gets because again, I think their team is just good enough to pull it out, but I think the 49ers are going to keep this close. I really do. I think this is going to be a tight game and I think both defenses are going to play great. I think both offenses are going to do better. Jimmy G has to do way better. I mean, you throw Mm -hmm. the stats like 300 yards over two games and no touchdowns, two picks is not going to cut it in this one. And so, um, you know, what does Shanahan do to dial up to get, to get, production and, and really you know he schemes like a, like a madman he's so fun to watch yeah. right? as players now emotions and so is McVay so it's so
0: gonna be we, a show we we've seen in the last three games that the Rams have played right they played the Niners they played Arizona and they played Tampa Bay they had big commanding leads in two of those three games and well all three of those games and the Niners they were able to curtail and not have them come back and and, and steal that game but they were up 17-0 in week 18 against San Francisco, and they blew that lead, right? They were up 27-3 to last week against Tampa Bay, and they blew that lead. The Rams can get up on people, but they get a little complacent, right? And, and defensively, other teams figure out stuff. They're not able to finish off some of these games. They either win by a ton or they lose on a nail-biter at the end of the, at the end of the game. Like, it seems to pretty much just be one of those two things every time. think this is the game. They just did it. the The Niners had everything to play for. The Rams had something to play for in Week 18, and yet they were still up 17 nothing. And they put their foot off the gas, and the Niners came back and stole that game. No question. But if you're looking at the the, like what the Rams have done, they this is it, man. Like if you're never if you're not going to show up and win the game and and knock it out and get the monkey off your back now, then when the hell is it ever going to happen? Like they, they have to, they absolutely have to win this game. And I think, again, because we've seen them jump to these leads when San Francisco had everything to play for and they still got down 17-0, we're not talking about, like this was three weeks ago. We're not talking about, you know, some crazy long time. This was January. This is the same month we right now. The Rams have every capability of doing so. And now they both have everything to play for. They both have a trip to the Super Bowl on the line. And I don't see the Rams laying down now. Is there a chance the Niners forced the way back in? Sure. But I don't, I don't see it this week. I, I really, I really feel like the Rams are going to win this game and win it comfortably. And that might seem a little, you know, bold maybe just off of what we've seen from the Niners the last two weeks, where they, like you said, slowed down the number one offense in football, slowed down the MVP. The difference is, is there's multiple ways, like, Dallas's offense was pretty dysfunctional and up and down all year, so it's not super surprising they laid an egg. It was surprising that the Packers laid an egg, but the, the Niners said, we're going to force you to throw to two people. We're going to we're gonna do and, and disguise coverages and blitzy and do some certain things, but no matter what, we're going to make Aaron Rodgers throw at Devontae Adams and throw at Aaron Jones as a, as a safety valve, and that's pretty much going to be it, right? And if you take away the 70-yard pass to Aaron Jones at the end of the first half, you know which again was with with what 20 seconds left in the first half the numbers with that one outlier out there are even worse for Rodgers that's not how you beat the Rams and obviously the Niners know how to do that the the Niners have done a great job but I think this is the best we've seen the Rams offense look pretty much since McVay's been there you know like yeah there was some great stuff with Goff and stuff when it was early on but the way that everything has kind of coalesced into whatever this version of the Rams is where OBJ is a huge part of this offense now. And, and they're running slightly different looks than they have, right? They're not using OBJ like they used Robert Woods, which I admire, right? They're, they're not running these jet sweeps and a lot of these, I mean, they're still running a lot of motion, but it's more with Van Jefferson or some of the other guys Higby's an option there. I, I think this is the Rams time. I, I really do. And if, if it's not Rodgers you're facing, it's not Tom Brady you're facing. We said all year, like if the Rams are getting the playoffs, so they're going to have to beat either Rodgers or, or Brady to get there. Well, they already beat Brady. So, and now that you've beaten Brady, you don't have to play Rodgers. You have to win this game and McVay has to, there, there, there is no other option. They have to, I think the Rams have that mentality. I think they win. I think they win comfortably. Right. And I like the Niners, but the Niners prove themselves to be a mediocre team through the majority of the season, even when they were healthy. And yes, they have it cooking right now. But this, this reeks to me of the underdog that runs out of gas in the NFC Championship game.
1: I think so, too. I think they've been playing for a while here at, like, a playoff caliber level. I think they're on a run, and, and I love it. I, I hope it continues and we see a good game, and it might, right? And they could even pull this one out. But I think the other part of what you said, like, not only is this – I would say this is the best team, even though, like, the Rams, you know, a couple of years ago in the Super Bowl was a great team. And, and that offense was doing pretty well, right? That Monday night crazy game, I think, was golf that was going to be um, down in Mexico and wasn't that we talked about yeah. even, you know, on Tuesday's pod. But there's something different about the talent on this team on both sides. Like, not only do you just have young talent and it's an exciting offense and, and Aaron Donald, but now you have Ramsey and you have Vaughn Miller and you have, have OBJ guys who are absolute athletic freaks and you have Stafford, who has a rocket arm, and Cam Akers even out the backfield, like how well he's done. This team looks completely different. The transformation of this team between, you know, hopefully, because I, I do think the Rams are going to win, like or what could be, you know, another Super Bowl appearance in a couple of years, it reminds me of what Denver did, like, and how drastic our teams, like, look so different, right? Mm-hmm. We were so offensive in the first Super Bowl when we laid an egg, and then, and then later on, you know, we, we had a great defense and we won. And I think what's crazy about that is we, we had Peyton in both and Peyton was, you know, uh, better than worse, but, uh, the Rams with, you know, with golf gone, I mean, Stafford's an upgrade. I think that's, I think we can all say that. Like this has been good. So I'm really excited to see what they can do. I think they win this game and, and man, they're, uh, They've got a real shot this year. I think you're right. Without having those obstacles and legendary quarterbacks that
0: they've had. And I, at some point, if you're widely considered to be the best defensive player in the league, like Aaron Donald, or or the best guy, one of the best secondary players in in Jalen Ramsey. Yes, he's a cornerback, but he does a lot more than that for, for what the Rams do defensively. When you have that kind of, and obviously a guy like Von Miller too, which I think has helped from a leadership standpoint. But at some point, don't you just have to have a backbone and just say, fuck this, man. I'm sick of getting, of of losing to teams in the NFC, of losing in the playoffs. I'm supposed to be the best guy in the league. I've won three defensive player of the years. I'm supposed to be the most dominant force on this side of the ball. At some point, don't you just have to say, fuck this 49ers team. We are not losing this game. That's what I mean. Like it's, we can scheme up a million things. These teams, know each other better than any analyst could break down what they do, right? Because they have to play each other two years in a row. They've had the same coaching staff. They've, they've been built the same way. So at some point, and I hate using this cliche because obviously both teams want it, but who wants it more? Who's well, gonna just, just going to have that deep down visceral, we're not losing this fucking game? Because at the end of the day, that's what football is. It's physical. It's nasty. It's I want this shit more than you do, even if you want it more than anything you've ever won in your life. And I think the Rams have been pushed to the brink of this, that I just can't wrap my head around the talent on that team bending down to a team that they know they're more talented than, but just can't get over the hump. And if they, again, if they don't do it now, I don't know what to say anymore, but it's, I just, I feel like this is that moment for, for the Rams. And I feel like they know it and they have the leadership and they have staffer. And I feel like this is their time. And whether or not they continue into the Super Bowl is another conversation. But this game is I, just I, I agree. Storybook.
1: It's huge.
0: Storybook right now for the Rams.
1: Yeah. And and that's why I think the Von Miller acquisition was actually brilliant because you need a pass rusher in the playoffs. He was healing up. You don't need him a full game. And by the way, it's a guy who's been to two Super Bowls and won one, which mm-hmm. your team's been to one, but they haven't won one. And you have a leader and a guy who's can be an absolute disruptor. Listen, you bring him in and do what he can. You're bringing. they brought in guys who I think you know, when you talk about who wants it more, and it's hard to describe, right? Because you know, when you see it, like when a team's just tenacious, like you're saying, just is just owning another team, like mentally, physically, yeah. and mentally. And I think what it comes down to as well is the confidence that some of these acquisitions give that team. Like OBJ, say what you will about him, he's one of the most confident players in the NFL. He mm. knows he's the best. So that is also infectious, right? Von Miller, he's quiet confidence. But he also just goes out, shows it, and he's so he is so complimentary of his other players and picks them up. And you already know you have Ramsey, who's an elite guy. Uh, you have you have some of the best players in their positions in the last ten years on this team. Like that confidence has to radiate through the whole team, and I think that also is that like that like you're saying that tenacious, like yeah, we want it. Like you'll see them try to beat up their opponent on the field. Like that's yeah. what I think we're gonna see from the Rams.
0: But the Niners do have this patriot esque feel about them which is that they don't give a shit they don't give a they shit don't. how bad they just know that they can come in and, and that is a Shanahan thing and that's why again if the Niners win this game I'm not going to be shocked especially after what we saw but if if you push a team that talented to its absolute brink and again Aaron Donald's a bad motherfucker we've seen Jalen Ramsey playing in an AFC AFC championship game before and he's with Jacksonville Obviously, Donald has gotten to a Super Bowl. This is a game that they just they have to just backbone it and fucking own it. And I just I just really feel like they will. I just I really I really feel like it will. And hey, if you're in the Los Angeles area, uh, you can go watch this game for as little as five hundred and thirty dollars. That's the lowest and cheapest ticket price right now. Five hundred and thirty dollars. Uh, and I'll give the Rams credit too, right people are like this is going to be a home game for San Francisco. Uh, the Rams have instituted a shitload of rules to make sure that it is as hard as possible for Niners fans to come to this game. Uh, or, you know, they might have to pay five hundred thirty dollars for it. And uh, I don't know, man, I-, I love seeing like players being like, you know, we will buy up tickets and hand them out to people. This needs to be Rams fans. We cannot let the Niners take the stadium over. So I, I think I think this is good. I think this is good for L.A. Um, Rams three and a half. Who are you taking against the spread?
1: I'm taking Niners against the spread. I think they keep it close, but I'm going to take the Rams.
0: Taking the Rams to win. I'm taking the Rams to win and cover. I'm taking the Rams to win and to cover. I love the Rams. Uh, I was wrong last week about loving Green Bay, which probably would have been my lock of the week if I had made one and I was wrong. So we'll see how we do here. And the over unders at 46.
1: Man, I think I might go under on this one. Really? Yeah. Like um, my first one, all playoffs, but I, I just, I think both these defenses are great. I'm going under.
0: 46 is a pretty low number. It's lower than anything we had last week. So Vegas really thinks this is going to be defensive. I think the Rams could score 30 pretty comfortably here. I'm going to, I don't love it, because I was originally originally thinking the the under, but I'm going to take the over here. I've been mulling over this for a couple of days since in the the Lions pretty much jumped around 46, 46 and a half to 47. I'm going to I'm going to take I'm going to take the over. I think I think the Rams put up at least 30 and I think the Rams can get a few touchdowns in there and keep this close. So uh, or at least put some points up on the board at at some point. But I don't know. Game control style of offense for the Niners might be low scoring. We'll see. Uh, We will see. Uh, Scotty took San Francisco to cover San Francisco on uh, to win, obviously, as well. And then he also took the under. So. All three of us are, are kind of on different picks here, which is, uh, is going to make it fun. Remember, I need to win both of these games and the Super Bowl to finish the year above 500. <laughs> That's just where I'm at oh, right nice. now. Yeah, so. Uh, you got it. You got it, bro.
1: Yeah, I we're relying right. on a lot of picks, so hopefully we got it. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. We'll say this. We're both on Cincy to cover, and we're both on Kansas City to win, and we're both on the Rams to win. The only thing we're different on is San Francisco versus the Rams to cover. So we'll see. Uh, everybody enjoy the weekend. Vito, thank you for hopping on. Happy birthday to Sung, Scotty's lovely bride. Happy birthday, Sung. And uh, we will be back to recap. We will have a Super Bowl. This time next week, we're talking probably Pro Bowl, hopefully some coaching hires, because we won't have a game to prep for next weekend. Wow. Uh, So enjoy this while we have it. And uh, hopefully, hey, if the divisional rounds, my my guess is one of these two games is going to be really good, and the other one's going to be a blowout. Don't know which one will be which, but that's my prediction. You know, Wild card was shitty. Divisional was incredible. Conference championships will be somewhere in the middle. That's my prediction. Uh, Have a wonderful weekend. We will talk to you guys on Tuesday. For Vito, I'm Jeff. Take it easy.